Now, I need to give you a little context for this passage. This passage uh, begins a lengthy portion of Romans that deals with what I call gray areas. These are areas in which devout Christians who really do want to honor the Lord can come to different conclusions and both still be honoring the Lord, yet completely disagree with each other. Now, there are hundreds of things that we as Christians can come to different conclusions on and still be honoring the Lord, even though we disagree with each other. But these disagreements can cause divisions and trouble in the church. So this passage and next week, I think I'll wrap it up, this section up next week. It's about the gray areas. It's about the disputable areas of Christian living, the debatable areas. For them, it had to do with diet and days, what they would eat or not eat, and what special days they would observe or not observe. Uh, For us, that's not so much an issue. We have our own disputable areas within the church, whether it has to do with how we'll worship musically or what we'll be free to eat or drink outside of church as Christians or what kind of music we'll listen to on the radio or how one ought to dress at church, all these things that are, you know, there's importance to them, but devout Christians land in different places on these issues. So for them, this was a church that had a lot of Jewish Christians and a lot of Gentile Christians. The Jewish Christians brought with them their traditions of observing the, um, the laws regarding diet and foods and also all the festivals and Uh, holy days, whereas the Gentile Christians came in to Christ and all they knew was the freedom that they had in Christ and they didn't feel bound to these dietary restrictions and these holy days. So you can see how there could be clashing there. Uh, For us, especially with our youth, our young people, I think that we sort of live and breathe in the gray areas a lot more than we realize. I do this thing with each youth group that passes through called Q&A where we come in and they just throw whatever questions are on their minds that week and I teach them how to find answers in the Bible. Well, the last group, they all came through and graduated at the same time. It was all a bunch of guys mainly. All their questions seemed like they landed in the gray areas to the point that they just got sick of me saying, well, that's really a gray area. And I would take them to Romans chapter 14 because it would be questions like, you know, is it, when, when should we start dating? Well, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt start dating here. It doesn't say anything about dating, really. So it's it's kind of a gray area. It's up to you as a Christian to figure out what the Bible says and what's wise and good and obedient for you. Or uh, is it okay when you're dating to kiss or should you not? It all had to do with this area, as you can imagine, with that group of guys. Um, So for them, they were in this gray area that was causing problems. Um, we may find ourselves in any number of gray areas that can cause problems. Theirs was aggravated because of a particular kind of weakness. That's what he says in verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Who is this weak person? If I called you weak in faith, that might seem kind of hurtful. Paul is saying there are some people here that are weak in faith. Who are they? Well, the text gives us clues. Uh, Verse 2, one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. 
So the weak person is the one who is abstaining from meat for religious purposes. And then on down in verse 5, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all, day, esteems all days alike. The weak person felt obligated to certain holy days and felt obligated to abstain from meat. Now, my, what I want to point out to you before I get into the real meat of this passage, you need to understand that it's possible to be strong in every way as a Christian except your faith. It's possible to be devout. It's possible to be disciplined. It's possible to be committed to honoring the Lord and yet still be weak in your faith. So the question that should be rising to the top for us this morning as we listen to this passage is, where am I on the uh, continuum from weak faith to strong faith? And you're probably tempted to think about your devotions and your disciplines. But Paul says, no, these people were very devoted and very disciplined. It even says in verse 6 that uh, the one who abstains does so in honor of the Lord, giving thanks to God. So here the true test of strong faith isn't discipline or devotion, it's freedom. Are you experiencing freedom as Christ, in Christ, as Joshua is? I wanted to make this point before I get into the problems they were having and and how us, how we can be united in the midst of possible disputes. Because I worry that some of us may not be experiencing the freedom that is ours in Christ. See, in Jesus Christ, I love to remind you of this, you are completely free from both sin and religion. You're freed from sin in that you're forgiven, you're cleansed, you're given a new heart that doesn't desire that garbage anymore. But you're also freed from religion. You don't have to, through religious rituals and observances, try to gain God's acceptance. So some of us this morning need to repent of our sins. Some of us need to repent of our religion. And we all need to embrace the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And it is a breathtaking freedom. It is a dangerous freedom. In uh, Galatians chapter 2, Paul mentions, um, he was trying to teach these Jewish Christians that they don't have to be circumcised. They're free from that. And he says that there were some false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out their freedom that they have in Christ. It's so scandalous that some of these Jewish Christians just couldn't believe that they weren't being circumcised. They couldn't believe that some people weren't obeying the dietary rules. They couldn't believe that they weren't observing all the holy days. He writes in Galatians 5, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom for the flesh, but through love serve one another. See, we are so free that our freedom could be used for the flesh. I mean, did you know you're free not to be here this morning? You don't have to be here this morning. You're free in Christ. You are already forgiven, already loved, already cleansed, already adopted, already accepted. You are absolutely, breathtakingly, totally free. So you don't have to obey certain dietary rules. You don't have to observe certain holy days. You don't even have to be here right now. This isn't obedience to law that brings us here. 
Now, within this freedom comes these discrepancies of how to operate in terms of, of optional things or non-essential things. The problems they caused here is, that it caused here is that they weren't welcoming each other, as verse 1 shows, for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. There was a welcoming problem. In verse 3, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. So they were despising each other. They were passing judgment on each other. All because they didn't agree on this non-essential issue. So what I have for you this morning is just three solutions from this passage for trouble that can be caused in the gray areas. The first one has to do with how we relate to each other. If there's someone that you disagree with in the church, a fellow Christian, Paul says, welcome him. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Now this specific passage is dealing with welcoming those who thought that they couldn't eat meat and had to observe these holy days. But I think the principle applies to all disagreements among Christians. If there's a Christian that you're in a disagreement with, you need to welcome them. And that's not a light, soft word. That word in the original language, welcome, means to lay hold of with initiative. It means to aggressively receive them. It's not just an opening the door, it's a coming out and grabbing them. Why should we welcome them? He explains in verse 3, for God has welcomed him. I don't want this to get removed from where you feel like it's applicable to your life because I know you don't struggle with eating vegetable or meat or observing certain holy days. But in any way that you disagree with your brother or sister in Christ, in any way that you're tempted to avoid them, to move away from them, I want you to feel God brush past you as he moves aggressively toward them because that person, God has welcomed them. God has taken the initiative to lay hold of them. God has aggressively received them. So who are we to reject them and to refuse to accept them? As we move away from these folks that we disagree with, God is moving toward them. Now secondly, that has to do with how we relate to each other. We need to move toward each other in areas of disagreements, not away. The second one has to do with our hearts toward each other. He says in verse 3, Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Watch your heart toward people that you disagree with within the church, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Beware of despising people and judging people. In this case, it was the ones who felt free to eat meat. They were experiencing their freedom in Christ. They began to despise the ones who felt constricted to the old dietary laws. The ones constricted to the old dietary laws were tempted to judge the ones who felt free to eat. Now, the closest parallel I could think of to this in our day has to do with alcohol consumption. And I'm, I, I hesitated to use this example because it's a serious thing, and I don't, want, I don't want to say anything that would cause anyone to stumble. 
And we'll talk about that next week. But let's just look at that as an example just for a moment. There are some truly devout, committed Christians who believe truly that it is sin to drink any. It's just too dangerous. Why do it? It leads to drunkenness. It, 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 it uh, harms your witness in the world. There's no reason for it. You don't need it. So these folks believe it's more holy to abstain. And then there's other folks, people I respect, who say, no, it's honoring to the Lord to enjoy your freedom in Christ. You can have a glass of wine with dinner. You can have a beer. It's drunkenness that is the sin, not alcohol consumption in general. So let's not be legalistic. Let's enjoy the freedom we have in Christ. It's not something that I'm tempted to fall into drunkenness. So for me, I think it's honoring to the Lord for me to enjoy my freedom in Christ. I think that gets kind of close to what the discussion may have seemed like back then as it related to food and holy days. So let's just say in that situation, whichever camp you fall into, or maybe you're in between, if you're in group A that truly believes it's most honoring to the Lord to just abstain, your temptation is going to be to cast judgment on the people over here who truly believe it's honoring to the Lord to enjoy their freedom in Christ to drink alcohol so long as they don't get drunk. So the temptation here is to be judgmental. The temptation here is to despise the ones who don't see that we're free in Christ to do this if we want to. That word despise means to hold in contempt, to just look down on as you know, behind the times, as legalistic, as ignorant. Now, both of these ways of thinking about each other are vile and evil. You can hold both positions while, like these people, doing so in honor of the Lord, like he says in verse 6. Don't despise or judge each other. And he tells us why. I don't want you just to not despise and judge each other because I tell you to. Look at the reason why. Paul calls into view this huge theological truth to motivate us to stop despising and judging each other. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. See, when we despise or judge each other in the gray areas, the non-essentials, you know, things that, that aren't clearly called sin or aren't clearly commanded, things far removed from the truths of Jesus Christ. When we despise and judge each other in these areas, it's the same thing that my kids do. When I tell my kids to do something, often instead of doing it, they'll point to what the other one's doing or not doing. Well, Lillian didn't do this, or Lillian did that, or Elias isn't doing this, or Elias does that. And I find myself saying so many times, don't worry about what the other one is doing. Worry about what you're doing. It's not your place to worry about what your brother or sister is doing. You're not their father. I am. It's my place to worry about what you're doing. It's my place to worry about what she or he is doing. And it's similar for us in the church. It's not our place to be making decisions about what each other are doing in the gray areas. Now, if we see our brother or sister in sin, then we need to go and confront them in love. That's what we do for each other. If we see that you know, our brother is struggling mightily with drunkenness and alcoholism and um, is doing great damage to him, then we need to go and say, this is sin. 
But it's not our place to conduct performance reviews for each other. We are not the bosses. God is. So we don't despise each other. We don't judge each other because who are we to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. So if this person is genuinely a Christian, not only is it not our place to despise or judge him or her for what they choose to do in the gray areas, we can rest in the fact that they will be upheld before their master because God is able to do that. So just to re, uh, restate it the way he does in verse, uh, start in verse 7. The theological foundation for why we should not despise or judge or evaluate each other in the gray areas. Because none of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to, the, to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So you might remember a couple weeks ago, the big idea of the text we studied is that every passing second nudges us closer to the moment when we will face Jesus Christ. So as we are applying ourselves to try to figure out how to honor the Lord in the gray areas, we need to keep our eyes on the prize. We are headed to Jesus Christ where we will sit before him, just you as an individual, me as an individual. So let us not waste time looking at each other saying, how dare you do that? If we, if, if something some switch can flip in our hearts to where we will judge ourselves and serve others rather than serving ourselves and judging others. Our lives would be so much freer. Our church would be so much healthier. And that's what Paul is calling us to. So don't worry about what your brother and sister is doing in the gray areas. Do be concerned for them if you see them lapsing into sin because then we're called to point that out for each other. But don't be the legalism police. You're going to stand before Christ one day, and so will they. So we need to move toward each other. We need to watch our hearts. And then finally, this has to do with our thinking. Move toward each other, watch our hearts, make sure we're not despising or judging each other. And then regarding our thinking, look at what he says in verse 5. One person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Now, what you might have expected would be for Paul to say, listen, this, you're, you guys are very opinionated about what you eat and don't eat and what days you observe and don't observe. 
I don't want you to be divided as a church. You're starting to not accept each other. You're starting to despise and judge each other. You would have thought, you could expect Paul to say, lighten up. These are non-essentials. Just don't think about these things so much. Think about the important stuff. But he says the exact opposite. He says, let each and every one of you be fully convinced in his own mind. It's a call to do your homework on it. So whatever gray area it might be that you may come into disagreement with a brother, don't sweep it under the rug. The challenge for you is to examine your convictions on it. So let's say it's the alcohol thing. Examine your conviction on it and make sure that what you're doing is honoring to the Lord. That's your task. Get into the scripture and see what it actually says. I mean, what are your convictions on some of these things? Where do they come from? I mean, some people are tripped up when, when I'm not wearing a suit and my sleeves are rolled up. Well, the Bible never told me I had to wear a suit and have my sleeves rolled down. I get claustrophobic when they're buttoned. I feel free to dress this way. But where did my conviction come from that I could be more casual than others? Where did your conviction come from that I should be more formally dressed? Now, I remember I heard a story. Actually, I talked to a gentleman who came to visit this church when Glenn Embosser was the pastor, and he wore a robe. I know some of you want me to wear the robe. Mark, I know. He wore the robe, and this, this guy, as I talked to him, was wearing like an athletic suit, and he was like, I tried to visit Doolin's Grove, and I came in, and that pastor came out with a robe, and I knew what years it was. I knew it was Glenn, and he's like, I turned right around, and I walked out of that church as though he could just sum up everything about the church because the minister was very formally dressed. You know, I know Glennon. And I'm certain that he dressed formally because it was honoring to the Lord. He felt that for him that was honoring to the Lord. So I didn't get a chance. I didn't even know this guy, but I would have liked to have asked him, where does your deeply held conviction that robes are evil come from? Can you show me in scripture? And I'm sure that he couldn't because there's no such thing. So for you, in areas in which you might be tempted to judge another, just take your focus off of them and put your focus on yourself for a minute and try to figure out, how did you come to these conclusions? And why? Now, the odds are good that both sides will will probably get further entrenched into their view. So thinking about alcohol, the the ones who think you should order sweet tea instead because it's holier will, will probably get further down entrenched into that view. And the ones who feel that, no, I'm free, so long as I'm not getting drunk, will probably get further entrenched into that view. And what Paul is saying is, that's okay, because to be united in the gray areas doesn't mean that you have to agree in all the gray areas. It just means that each and every one of you needs to have a clear conscience before the Lord about what you're doing. And then when the conversation comes up, it can be discussed intelligently in light of Scripture Instead of just, uh uh uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-huh. We can get into a lot of trouble in the gray areas. And one danger in particular is that we could get um, broken apart and our unity could get cracked up and dissolved as we begin to turn in on each other and devour each other, despising and judging each other, not accepting and welcoming each other. I don't ever want to see that happen. 
So in whatever it is, you know, music styles or alcohol consumption or homeschooling versus public school or, I don't know, there's a million, million things that are not prescribed biblically. Come to your conclusions and do it heartily. Think clearly. Study hard. Come to your conclusions. But let your brothers and sisters come to their conclusions. And don't despise and judge each other. We need to move toward each other, watch our hearts, and think clearly in these areas. I want to pray for us now that God would enable us to do so. Would you bow with me?